You're listening to a Comics XF podcast. Matt Lazowitz, and welcome to this week's episode of Bat Chat with Matt and Will, a Batman ranking podcast, where each week my co-hosts, Will Nevin and I, dig into three Batman stories, discuss them, and rank them on the big board, thus creating a giant list of Batman stories, from best to worst. Will, how are you? Oh, I'm doing okay, doing okay. So, a lot of different directions I could go in tonight. I think I'm going to save you know, New Year's probably until next week. So let's stay on theme for tonight. That's probably spoiling it a little bit, but uh, we talked a little bit about this in the in the column. What do you think of the news that is reviving Elseworlds? I am excited for revival of Elseworlds, but that initial announcement of what is coming from this revival of Elseworlds feels so remarkably play it safe. Yeah. Especially when you think about, as we have discussed, the first officially branded Elseworlds was holy terror. (laughs) What a big ass swing for your first Elseworlds. And now we're just getting a bunch of sequels from this first wave going back. I'm trying to remember because I'm there was six series and I think three are just sequels. It's a uh, Gotham by gaslight that has Superman in it. Now granted Andy Diggle. So that's a good pedigree on the writing. But the next volume of Dark Knights of Steel or another series set in the Dark Knights of Steel universe. Which wasn't really an Elseworld to begin with. And the same with the next volume of DC versus Vampires. The new ones out of the lot are a barbarian Batman written and drawn by Greg Smallwood. So it is going to be knocked down, drag out, gorgeous. We've gotten barbarian batman before in other elseworlds we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit later then a green lantern one from tate bromble and werther the ledra which i'm not a big green lantern guy like of all the dc their their marquee properties green lantern is the one that i have the least attachment to but i like that creative team and batman nightfire from Clay and Seth Mann, that one feels more what if than Elseworlds, which for those out there who don't really get that distinction, Marvel's what ifs are very much, you can pretty much sum up a what if in what if X happened instead of Y. That is how a what if. What, what if Bruce Wayne, after his parents were murdered, was immediately given a power ring? Right. And Elseworlds is a broader thing. That's Batman existing in the Victorian age. Any of the ones we'll talk tonight, there's not a what if to them. 
one of the ones that was on the docket for tonight but was moved is Justice League The Nail, which is a what if. It's what if Superman didn't come to the, the Kents. It's, it's just a universe where there is no Superman. And to be fair to Elseworlds, like that probably one of the most famous ones began with what if Superman landed in Soviet Russia? Yes. Red Sun is pretty much a what if. Kingdom Come is an alternate future. It's not so much an Elseworlds. The Dracula trilogy exists in sort of a nebulous gray area because that's what if Batman fought Dracula, but it exists outside of the the strictures of the dc universe it's see it feels like it exists in a world where there aren't superheroes where it has to be sort of to the side but these in general feel pretty safe three are very safe two are writer artist vanity projects greg smallwood i'm not familiar with smallwood as a writer and i'm i don't know if Seth Mann, who's working with Clayman, I assume they're related, and I don't know if they're pretty safe bet. Yeah, I don't know if Seth is a writer, but the way it's credited in the release with Clay listed first and the writers listed first on all of these, my assumption is that it might be either them co-writing and Clay drawing. I don't know. Only the the Bromble Deledra is a really big swing. They are, sorry to interrupt, Mm -hmm. twin brothers. Oh, well, there we are. Seth works primarily as Clay's inker, Ah. uh, being an artist. Okay, so yeah, that's just, they're both just writer-artist projects. And, I mean, it also, as always, indicates just how heavy Batman is in Elseworlds. Half of these are strictly Batman projects. Clay did, and again, sorry to interrupt because I'm looking at the Wikipedia. Uh, Clay did uh, Batman Catwoman, the art for that. Yes. Yes, he did. Oh, and Heroes in Crisis. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's (laughs) he's worked a bunch with Tom King, but I'm I'm not familiar with him as a writer. But yeah, I mean, three of these are, are flat out Batman. World War Z or World War V, excuse me, the DC versus Vampires sequel, heavily features Bat characters. And it looks like Dark Knights of Steel, despite Batman being heavily involved in that, is not. And then the Green Lantern one. I would have, and I understand from a sales perspective why you do this. Because Batman sells. Always has, always will. Same reason why Batman was front and center on the Black Label books. Right. I would have loved at least one of these, two of them, because I think the Green Lantern one is a pretty big swing. It's two indie or at least non-DC creators. Bromble is one of James Tinian's Tiny Onion guys. He's writing uh, The Oddly Pedestrian Life of Christopher Chaos over through Tiny Onion. He did one of the Jeff Lemire Black Hammer miniseries. I interviewed him at FlameCon. And Werther Deledra, that's the guy who's doing the art on Something is Killing the Children. Really? So there's there's some cred there. But I would have liked something weird in this first lineup. 
Well, yeah, I think as we can talk about tonight, looking back over the history of, of Elseworlds, weird doesn't always work out. I mean, sometimes it does, right? We Holy Terror has looked better and better in hindsight, but some of the books tonight have kind of weird, wacky premises that don't ultimately pan out. True, and sometimes the safer premise, what if Batman fought Dracula, produces a great book. I'm interested in seeing what each of these are, but I wish we'd gotten a Wonder Woman in this first line, a flat-out Superman instead of just, okay, Gotham by Gaslight Batman meets Gotham by Gaslight Superman. Just something that was unexpected. And yeah. aside from the Green it's Lantern a little one, bolder. Absolutely. Again, aside from the Green Lantern one, they're all pretty much what you'd expect from, hey, we're bringing back Elseworlds. Just go real weird and do Plastic Man or the Atom. Like something really out of left field. What if the Atom becomes Green Lantern? Any number of weird possibilities. Because that's the beauty of Elseworlds, that you can go weird. I wonder how much this is going to cannibalize Black Label. That, yeah, I was I was thinking that too, because we have seen lately Black Label very much being de-emphasized, right? Uh, and, and we talked about this off air and thinking about the column and digging up stuff to write about because there was a time where like okay we can cover this and this and this oh we gotta hold off on that the past month or so it's been like okay what three books are we gonna scrape together this week so as as you said the line seems to be slowing down a little bit maybe in anticipation of expanding but yeah it, it seems like we don't need a world with both else worlds and black label especially as almost since the very first day black label has gotten less adult and safer and safer and safer not that you know sean gordon murphy's "Ooh, let's put titties in books was a great idea to begin with but i think the corporate folks saw the bad press from the batwang and that was kind of over for black label since that the best black label stuff has been some of the weird high concept off to the side stuff like uh, Daniel Warren Johnson's Wonder Woman Dead Earth, uh, Suicide Squad Blaze. I really enjoyed uh, Rom V's Aquaman Andromeda with Christian Ward. Most of the Batman stuff has felt very safe. I know we will eventually get to what was that last night on Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one that I remember being. I, I glanced at it. I don't even think I read it. Joker and Harley's been done to death in two or three different books. I thought Harleen from Stefan Sejek was pretty good. Less in love with the other Joker Harley one. Probably my favorite Black Label thing was John Ridley's other History of the DC Universe. That was what Black Label should have been. Mm -hmm. A truly mature, outside of continuity story that is trying to say something. But instead, it's often just an excuse for a little bit more ultra-violence with these characters. Or whatever the hell 
Frank Miller did in his Superman year one that I did not read. And no. Yeah, no. no. I read less said about Frank Miller post-1985, the better. I read the majority of DC's output, but that one was a hard skip. Yeah. Smart. There's only so much time in the day. I'm not wasting my time on 20, whatever that was, 18 or 19 Frank Miller. It's on Infinite. I wouldn't have to pay for it still. Don't need to read uh, Dark Knight 3. Not unless we're paying for it. Nope. Nope. But somehow, once again, Last Crusade turned out to be good. Yeah. Because he had a co-writer. Yeah. And John Romita Jr. doing some of the best work he's done, he did for DC. Again, Wonder Woman uh, Dead Earth from Daniel Warren Johnson was absolutely an Elseworlds. That was an Elseworlds. And frankly, folding Dark Knights of Steel into Elseworlds makes sense because, again, that was an Elseworlds. That was, let's set the DC universe in a medieval period. That's an Elseworlds. World War V slash DC versus Vampires, a little less so. That's more just another Earth in the multiverse kind of vibe. It's like, okay, at some point or another in this world, vampires turned a particular hero who became king of the vampires. Again, it's a what if. Yeah, same with, um, almost with like Injustice. Oh, yeah. Injustice is, what if Superman broke bad? Granted, that's like half of Elseworlds that involves Superman, or what if Superman broke bad? What if Superman was a Soviet stooge? What if he broke bad? Oh, 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 hey. I I had a story that popped into my brain, and this ties into Superman. DC... Uh, editorial, if you're listening to this, just just give me credit for this idea. Okay, depending on who the writer is, depending on how you, you how you work it out, Superman uh, approaches immortality, right? Yeah. Okay. Point one. Point two. Eventually, the sun is going to expand into a red giant and cook the Earth into a crisp. Yes. Superman's powers weakening as he's roaming a dead earth as the sun is expanding. So, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very far off future. So maybe not exactly an else world, but I think that, that would be an interesting Superman story. That sounds like such a gimme of an idea. I'm shocked <laughs> that I'm not thinking of the story. That is that story. I can't think of it. But it's like that somebody has to have thought of that at some point or another, right? Right? Like Superman as growing old and dying with the planet, almost as um as an inverse of Star Trek Three, right? Spock growing and aging and being chaotic with the Genesis planet. Yeah, no, I I think there's definitely potential there. And I think the right writer could do something really interesting with it, and it would I wanted to have art by somebody who does something trippy. Like it couldn't oh, yeah. just be standard superhero art. It's got to look sci-fi. Oh, oh, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that uh, that idea came to me during my most recent uh, eighteen-mile run while I was screaming at the sun for being a coward and not expanding <laughs> and and cooking me, so I didn't have to finish that dumb thing. Tony Thornley, Corey McCreer, you're out there listening to this and you know that this story exists as you're both a little more Superman than than I am. Let, let us know because I'm curious. But 
We aren't talking about Superman Elseworlds tonight. This is dropping uh, in the run-up to New Year's. So as we have always done, this is going to be an Elseworlds New Year New Batman episode. But we're looking backwards, reading three Elseworlds of Batman in the early 20th century. Our first story is Batman, The Golden Streets of Gotham. This is written by Jen Van Meter, with art by Cliff Chang and Tommy Lee Edwards, colors by Dave Stewart, letters by John Workman, and edited by Bob Shrek and Denny O'Neill. The cover date is March of 2003. Bruno Vinco returns to Gotham City of the 1910s to find a city struggling under unfair working conditions and resentment of the upper class. Becoming a Robin Hood-esque bat-themed burglar, Bruno becomes the scapegoat for both the labor unrest and a string of murders. Now, with a collection of allies, Bruno must find the real killer and help the workers of Gotham unite. Lots of thoughts on labor tonight. Yes. I did not remember the what we will be covering third as fitting as much that theme, but it's like, oh, there is a little bit of it in there. Okay. I guess it's it's this period. I would be interested to know a little bit more about the history of this story because that editing team there of Bob Shrek and Denny O'Neill, Denny O'Neill had retired from editing in 2000. So I wonder if this had been sitting there Mm -hmm. for a couple of years and then Bob Shrek, who took over the bad offices after Denny left, dug this one out to publish Because this is very much at the tail end of Elseworlds. This is near when they stopped doing Elseworlds as a going concern. This is the same year as Red Sun, which was, again, right at the end of things. Which still fascinates me. One of the classic stories coming in at the very end. So, A, excuse me, I'm asking this of all of you out there. As we discuss this, I am sure going to slip up at one point or another and address Bruno Vanko as Bruce. My notes are littered with me accidentally typing Bruce instead of Bruno. This, look, I will grant this story whatever it wants, but because to me, this this is the best story of the night. So Bruno can be Bruno. It gets so much of a pass because... We'll get to one of the other stories, and it just does so many shenanigans with names and goofy things, and oh, his name is something Wyatt. B-Dub, oh, the initials are the same. Look at that. We'll discuss that, because there's some things in there. That story either needed to do less or do more with the names. Exactly. But we'll get there. Yes. This one, what is sort of a bugaboo for me, and we'll, we'll discuss this because it's something we see in all of these, is that everyone else in this story, Dick Grayson is Dick Grayson. Barbara Gordon is Barbara Gordon. Selena Kyle is Selena Kyle. Only Batman has a different name. Yes, you do find out that Dick's name had been something Roma at one point or another, and they changed it, him and the Grayson, so they could pass. But he's still called Dick Grayson. And again, it's just kind of like, go for it or don't. I guess the author felt that if he was going to be an immigrant, right, he couldn't have that name or he couldn't he couldn't have that name as a from a family of immigrants. It's a pretty waspy name. Yeah. 
Uh, Bruce Wayne being a wasp. Yes. Yes. Not uh, Jen Van Meter, who, uh, by the way, uh, wife of Greg Rucka. Huh. Look at that. Did some really fun stuff at Oni, a book called Hopeless Savages, about the kids of a punk rock dynasty having wacky adventures. It's a fun little slice of life with some occasional, like, bigger, wilder stuff. I'd love to see more of it. It was really fun. It was a series of miniseries. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so this book more, actually maybe not more than the others, this one is very much around labor. And I could f- feel the research that Van Meter did here. Are you familiar with the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire? In that I know that that was the thing that this story is alluding to. Yeah. Uh, I don't know any of the, the, the gruesome details. It's pretty close to this. We're going to lock people in the factory so they can't take unauthorized breaks or maybe steal. Oh, a fire broke out. They're locked in. Horrible things happen. Yeah. The inciting incident of this is an analog to the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire of the early 1910s. In this case, the Vancos, Bruno's parents died in the fire while Bruno was off working on the railroads. The Pantaloons fire, I think, is the story refers to it as. Yes. A factory owned by Joseph Chillingham. Yes. Which is the waspiest Joe Chill has ever gotten. We are also going to see three very different takes on Batman than we're used to here. This is Batman as Robin Hood. This is him going and stealing from Chillingham, stealing from Chillingham's cronies and allies and giving the money to the families of those wounded in the fire, who died in the fire, anyone who's in need, while also having Selina Kyle as the daughter of the mayor of Gotham and Barbara Gordon as a sob sister which for those out there who don't know the origin of that particular turn of phrase, at this point, there were human interest stories in newspapers, especially these overblown ones, usually written by women, were sob sister columns. And since Barbara couldn't get a job writing legitimate news under her own name, she's one of these sob sisters. And it's not a full-on love triangle, but there is the question of which one Bruce is go- Bruno is going to, to wind up with. And it's all framed around a woman newspaper reporter in the present finding an elderly Dick Grayson and interviewing him about these events. So there is some parallels between Barbara and Elena, this newspaper reporter in the present. Yeah, that uh, that framing device didn't do much at all for me. Uh, it didn't really advance the plot. It didn't add any insight to anything. I mean, I guess it was interesting to see old Dick Grayson, but other than that, it was kind of a kind of a nothing. I feel like those pages could have been used for something else. I wonder if there was more to that at one point or another, or if this was supposed to be a mini series that had to be sort of compressed. But there's a couple of moments in there where I think they're getting to something with Dick's failing memory 
And in the end, it lets Dick have the speech about how men like Brunovenko, men like Robin of Loxley, they never really die. You get that sort of thing. But as you said, doesn't really forward the narrative that much. Those themes could have been played out in the story itself. Yeah, he's got, old Dick Grayson has to have, if, if the framing device is going to matter, he's got to have some kind of throw the heart into the ocean, you know, moment. He's got to have something of meaning to the larger story. And it just, like, the, the speech was cool, right? The Very meaningful. It gave, you know, tied Bruno to larger themes and larger ideas and larger heroes. But that was not much aside from that. Oh, and let's not forget, of course, you have to have a Joker in there. Of course. Gotta have Joker in all of these stories. Yep. In this case, Jack Smart, Chillingham's foreman, who's the one who Chillingham ordered to lock all these people in the factory and who mentally breaks afterwards and becomes a sort of Jack the Ripper. That was another beat where I'm not entirely sure why why did he become Jack the Ripper? Yeah. I would have no problem him breaking mentally and killing people, but it just was arbitrary people, women on the streets and scrawling graffiti about, you know, cleaning up the streets. Yeah. Why not attack the rich, right? You could, you could have had the story where not only are the rich being burgled, but they're also being killed. And that would be a much easier to crime depend on the burglar yeah i i was not sure why other than it's a batman elseworld so you gotta have the joker in there somehow and again it would have streamlined it removing that thread if it was just about the labor and the strikes and again i would have liked more with the labor organization stuff because it seems like oh we're talking about a strike Okay, we're having another scene where the, okay, we're going to do the strike. And then the strike happens. That was a big process back in these days and so underground. I wish we had spent more time with Bruno and his uncle who were involved with the disguised Selena in her cat mask, which I guess she was disguising her voice since everyone was using male pronouns. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, okay, when we first see the cat figure organizing them and everyone's going, he, I'm like, okay, is Selena a red herring? No, it's Selena. So I guess she's just walking like this. I did like, though, how the cat woman was organizing what, for this time, was a wildcat strike. Like, yes. I, I liked how that kind of tied together. I think this one had the best executed ideas of the three tonight. But I still feel like there was more that could have been done with it. Mm -hmm. And I did like this one had little hints to the wider Gotham without clubbing you over the head with them. A line about when there's a fire at one of the other shops, get them to Dr. Tompkins. Mm-hmm. Or when Bruno is stolen from stuff and he goes to a pawn shop to fence them, he was said that Mr. Bertinelli sent him. So we're already establishing that the Bertinelli mob is already there. Huntress's family makes sense. 1910s, you know, that that's the period. It's not the mafia yet. It's the Black Hand, I guess. But still. 
And neither of those were club you over the head references, but it was like, oh, okay, that's a vision of a wider Gotham. And I like that, that there's an idea to what's going on here. What if, though, uh, we had a senator and his uh, his face was fucked up? Oh, we'll get there. We still got a little bit to discuss here, but we'll we'll get there. I actually was kind of surprised that there was no Dent in here. Dent felt like a character who would have organically fit in this story. More than Joker, really. Yeah, yeah. Dent could have been somebody burned in the fire, right? He could have been uh he could have been a labor organizer before the fire and then got all fucked up. Yeah, that would have been interesting. The- Dent could have been a suspect in the killings if we had done an alternate story where the 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 victims were rich folk. Yeah. I feel like we have notes for all of these stories that would punch them up and make them better. These tonight? Oh, yeah. yeah. And again, I'm just looking at like some of the ideas in here. Old Dick Grayson says that he had to change his name in the 50s to Robin Richards because he was blacklisted. There's a, an interesting story right there. I love the idea that Alfred runs a burlesque theater where the Graysons perform. And you really only get a couple panels with Alfred and he really doesn't do much. Again, this is one of these stories we run into. I think every second or third episode, we're like, okay, this story could have been two or three issues shorter. Every five or six episodes, we run into one where it's like, could this have been a little bit, could you have given this a little more time to breathe and fill out some of these ideas? if we had had more time with the labor organization, if we'd had more time with the burlesque theater, those are things I would have liked to have seen more of. I do like the ambiguous ending here. In the end, Bruno does turn himself in because he promised Sergeant Gordon that if Sergeant Gordon worked with him to catch the killer, he would turn himself in. And he does. And then Dick is elusive to Ilana, the reporter, about what happened. I like that sort of ambiguous ending, that it doesn't matter whether he got out, whether he was with Selena or Barbara. Again, he's bigger. Very Batman begins. He's he's now a symbol. He's bigger than just a man. Well, hey, you got to leave it open for the sequel, right? In terms of what, what I would have liked to have seen, Batman's training has been been done ad infinitum right but this is a different batman this is cat burglar batman right this dude was just working on the railroads what does he know about burglaring i would i would want to see him learn and develop that skill and have some successes and have some failures and have have more of a i don't know what else to do i guess i'm going to steal how do i deal with the morals there and again there's hints of that him at his parents' grave saying he doesn't know what else he can do and being willing to turn himself in, that moral struggle would have been an interesting thing to explore. And it just felt like there wasn't enough time here. Mm -hmm. It's a very pretty book. Oh, yes. Both Cliff Chang and Tommy Lee Edwards are great artists and they're both credited on pencils and inks. So... I'm not sure if this was a a layouts and finished pencils deal because the art throughout the book 
looks like something halfway in between each of their styles. So I feel like this was a very collaborative work between the two of them. It's a very, very nice looking book and well designed. The Batman look here of the three, we always do this with these Elseworlds. The Batman look here is probably my favorite of the night because one of them tonight is is very standard paint by numbers Batman and one I do not like. <laughs> this one is, it's got a very theatrical opera costume because he, the costume he gets, he steals the night of his first burglary from Chillingham. So it is a masquerade costume and it works for the era. It's nice looking. I agree. I don't know if I have anything else on this one. Oh, that means it's time to put Batman Golden Streets of Gotham on the big board. We have 342 stories on the big board. God damn. Number one is the post-crisis origin of Batman, Batman Year One. Number 50 is Identity Crisis, not that one. The first appearance of Tim Drake as Robin. Coming in at a family-friendly 69, it's Batman and Robin and Howard. Uh, Number 100 is the Silver Age Robin Dies at Dawn. At 150 is the first volume of Gotham Academy. Number 200 is Zero Year. 250 is Year Two. A lot of those year books showing up this week. Uh, 300 oh, is none of those. It's Your Face is Your Fortune, a Golden Age Catwoman story. And hey, down at the bottom, it's Curse of the White Knight. Sucks. All right. Let's look at some of the Elseworlds stuff. Just starting down towards the bottom, uh, Speeding Bullets at 284, the... What if Superman was adopted by the Waynes story? That is such just an irritating Batman. It is. And while the idea of it is a solid idea, it is not paid off. And its half-baked ideas are even less fleshed out than the ideas here that are only half-baked. Yes. They both uh-huh. felt like they were waiting to do a sequel. Yeah. And the idea that, oh, I have so sullied this Batman character, I must become another character. That's a shitty ending. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're going to go up from there, but I think we're going to be down in the the lower, that, that 250 on down tonight in general. Yeah. But I I do think this is the best one. Yeah, um, I think and, and at no point did I ever was I ever reading this and I was like basically looking at my watch and like, when is this going to end? Without getting too much, one of tonight's I just do not like and one of them, I think the idea behind it is really neat and it does not pay off the promise of that idea. No, no. And I think depending on how you're looking at it, you either of them, you could look at either of them that way, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Oh, boy. See, and again, knowing that eventually we, we've said it, we're going to do that re-ranking, and Holy Terror down at 285 is going to move up. So I'm not even looking at that. 
I think uh, this is better than Grim Knight at 277, which is not an Elseworlds, but kind of an Elseworld. Yeah, no, I was looking at exactly that spot. I was like, right below it. I was like, oh yeah, this is better than Scourge of Owls. All right, Batman of Zurinar at 271, or the Batman of Planet X. Yeah, again, I think this is more interesting than that. Yeah, that that's, again, that that's fun, but it's... It's a very little idea. This one has bigger ideas. Mm-hmm. And I like the allusion to Triangle Shirtwaist without beating you over the head about it. Yes. It's like, oh, hey, you know this thing from history? We're trying to reference it here. But it's not like... Rah, 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 rah. Oh, we're going to get to that in a, a minute. Batman Noel up at 259. That's a big old nothing burger. It is. It's awfully pretty. But it's nothing. Yeah. But I don't know how much higher we could go. Yeah. Right. Well, this this doesn't go above, let's say, Death in the Family 243. No, 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 no. Probably didn't even go above Luther, you driving me sane at 245. Yeah, I actually, I mean, I think it doesn't even quite beat year two at 250. You know what I'm thinking? I would reread this before I would reread 255, The Resurrection of Rachel Ghoul. A story again with a billion ideas, none of which get played out. And that feels like there's gaps in that story. It doesn't feel like there's gaps here. It just feels like a lot of the ideas could have used more space. I agree. So I'm thinking 255. Let's do it. All right. Our second story of the night is Batman Dark Allegiances. This is written and drawn by Howard Chaikin with uh, pencil assists from Don M. Cameron. Colors are also by Chaikin, lettered by Ken Brusenak, and edited by Denny O'Neill and Jordan B. Gorfinkel. The cover date is February of 1996. Industrial designer Bruce Wayne finds himself embroiled in a conspiracy in the late 1930s involving a studio mogul, a senator, and the head of a white nationalist organization, a conspiracy that may thrust the United States into an international conflict. That summary, oh, and and sorry to interrupt your problematic creator watch with Howard Jakin, but that summary is entirely uh, more interesting and better executed than this dumpster fire. Yeah, this is the, the low point of the night. Yes. No. I'm glad we can agree on the big picture ideas for this show, Matt. Because if you were like, eh, I was on the fence about this one, I'd be like, well, no. No, 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 no. So, uh, yes, problematic creator watch. Noted Islamophobe and transphobe uh, Howard Chaikin. Although Chaikin, Chaikin is one of these utterly befuddling people who it feels like he's just Thumbing his nose at everyone. The the, the Palmar types of the world. Yes, exactly. It's like, let me piss off liberals and conservatives. Everybody. I'm just coming at everybody. I'm just asking questions. I'm I'm just saying the things that everybody else is too afraid to say. Yeah. We've covered Chaikin before in Thrill Killer, which was considerably better than this. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. I'm prettier. Yeah, this is, this is I think, the only Chaikin art we've done. Not uh, good. 
Chaykin as, as an artist came up in the 80s in the, the indie superhero scene with stuff like American Flag. His work there is probably better. I haven't read that stuff, but it's also, I wonder how much of it is good versus different. That it, it was a, such a different look that there is credit given to somebody trying something new. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say- don't evolve- and when your stuff looks, the style is no different than anybody else's and yours is still kind of a muddy mess where action scenes are just lost. Like, is that is that a batarang? Like, what what's going on there? Yeah, this could have used both a different artist and a, a different writer. Okay, I'm going to start out with the big thing in this one that just got me just sort of befuddled and agitated. Uh, would it be Hitler? Yes. <laughs> Any story where Bruce Wayne is at a cocktail party with Adolf fucking Hitler is not a story you should be telling. Yeah, yeah. That's that's when this thing... Do you remember uh, Hancock? Yeah. Yeah, so for me, that movie stopped dead when you learned that um, the Will Smith character and the um, female lead in that movie... Charlie, was it Charlie Stone? Yeah, yeah. When you find out that the two of them are like these long lost brother, sister, sibling pairs, and that it just, it was like a twist that was just bad. And it was like, okay, I, I checked out after that. The first part of this movie was fun. I like Will Smith as this drunk, broken superhero. And what's his face from Arrested Development, who was conveniently married to uh, Shirley Theron's character. What's his name? Bateman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like this guy coming in as like this PR guy. Like it was a, it was one movie and then it suddenly turned into something different and worse. And I'm not saying that like the, the two halves of this comic before Hitler shows up is markedly different, but it was that scene where I'm just like, all right, I am fucking out. I am, I am absolutely 100% out. If, that... if you're not going to kill Hitler, don't, don't put him in your book. If you're not going to have Batman punch Hitler, don't put him in the book. And that Hitler winds up sort of saving the day. Hitler shoots Two-Face and then pulls a lethal weapon, too, and is like, diplomatic immunity. Yeah, oh, oh, uh, American senator, not Harvey Dent. See, this one does the opposite of the last one, where Batman is Bruce Wayne, and all of the other characters have different names. Alfred is still Alfred. But Kitty Grimalkin... And Senator... Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. Turns out her real name was Selena Kyle. Yes. And, and Senator uh, Putty and Bigsley, who's the Penguin, and the Joker, who is... A reverend? Yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah, that, that seemed like something that got cut. Because, like, that guy just showed up and I'm like, who the fuck are you? I can tell you visually you're supposed to be Joker, but I don't understand anything else about you. And I'm also going to say this. This story came out in 1996. Have the balls to call the clan the clan. Oh, okay. So I, I think what Chaykin really wanted, and I is Chaykin Jewish? I think he's Jewish. I believe he is, yes. Yeah. So I think he wanted to 
do something with Hitler. I don't know why he didn't beat up Hitler or kill Hitler or something. And I think he wanted to attack Nazis and he wanted to attack the Klan, but he ultimately, he combines them both into what is visibly the Klan, but then they also have swastikas on their hoods. And he calls them like what the... the White Legion. The White Legion. And they are apparently accepted into politics because Senator PewDiePie wants to use them and openly touts them. And and also as an allusion to history, like this does kind of feel like, I believe it's called the... There was an offshoot of the clan that used Legion in its name. I can't remember what it was. Ah, so this was the, um, there are allusions here to the business plot. Mm. uh, Political conspiracy. Yes. That would have taken big business and overthrown FDR. A movie came out last year called Amsterdam, starring Christian Bale and Margot Robbie, which was about that. And uh, Bobby De Niro as the general who these guys thought they could prop up to be the the Hitler, but instead who turned against them and shut them down. Or the Mussolini. Medley Butler. Yes, Medley Butler, Philadelphia native, or at least spent time in Philadelphia because there's a plaque memorializing him uh, outside City Hall. So that would be the right time frame for this. And I, I assume that's that's what the plot against FDR is sort of the reference to. But even that plot doesn't go anywhere. It's no Bruce Wayne really investigating it. It's just, oh, Hitler shows up and Hitler goes to fake Disney World. And, oh, the Joker tries to shoot Hitler and FDR. But then Hitler shoots the Joker. Oh, excuse me, Two-Face. And if you're making the Penguin Walt Disney, there's all kinds of anti-labor, anti-Semitism stuff that you could have done there when you're making him a clear Disney analog that Chaikin doesn't really do. Because I will say, and I've, I've heard people make an almost convincing argument that it's not so much that Disney was an anti-Semite as he was really anti-labor. And all the Jews were the ones pushing unions and such. So it was not so much that they were Jewish as that they were trying to unionize his studio people. Yeah, Ford was the anti-Semite. Ford financed the distribution of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Right. Uh, Disney was just a bad guy. Yeah, I'm not saying that he wasn't necessarily an anti-Semite, but I've heard enough that it's been like, okay, maybe it was more that he was just a bastard who was just a bastard. And what's going on with Alfred in this book? Alfred is very anti-labor throughout this entire thing. Oh, he is a British asshole. Yeah. Anti-labor, anti-Irish. Yeah. And I was surprised that nowhere in this book is there any character who looks like they are currently receiving or about to receive fellatio, which is a thing that is in most Shaken stories. There are certainly hints of it with Selena Kyle's story. But that was a not an uncommon thing. Like there are real stories of the starlets of that era who did stag films before they broke out that that was used as leverage by the studios against them. That uh, is based on reality. This is quite possibly the very worst 
Catwoman costume. Oh, yeah. So overtly sexualized. The proportions are disgusting. It's it's bad. And that is Chaken to a T. Chaken is his his female characters are just shy of R. Crumb level proportions. And he is, I'm sure there are articles out there, and it, it makes me wonder, we might have to, I might have to ask some point, ask Dr. Anna Papard, one of our fellow writers over at Comics XF, who has edited books on sexuality and superhero comics, about Chaikin and his hang-ups throughout his work, up to and including, you know, porn comics. But it's not a good look. No. What he does with Selena here. No, not in the very least. And the, I mean, again, you know, we Senator Pewdie, who's obviously a two face analog, who is just, I guess, just born with some sort of palsy that froze and distended his face. Well, when he shows up for the first time, I think you need to like stop and take stock in your skills as a visual storyteller. When your two face analog has to say, oh, my face is fucked up. When you can't adequately portray that in the art, like, what are you doing here? Oh, yeah, there's no model. His face alters throughout, both in how messed up it is and the coloration of it. It's very strange. Also found the the weird word bubbles very frustrating. I, I hated that. So Selena has her own bubble shape. They're hearts. Bruce has his own bubble shape. They're boxes. Everybody else has the traditional circular balloons. Uh, occasionally, they are the cum bubbles, which the the irregular dripping edges. Yeah, when I notice word balloon shapes, you're doing it wrong. I am willing to accept a Batman who is different than our default view of Batman in Elseworlds, because that's the whole point of Elseworlds. Yeah, that's the deal here. But this Batman, more than once, basically talks about beating the crap out of, I mean, granted, terrible people, but so as a hobby, as something he enjoys. And I'm not going to ever root for somebody who enjoys beating up people. Yeah. Unless uh, they're Nazis. The Batman in both this story and the next one are not good. No, but at least in the next one, there's layers and there's there's stuff that I think there was a better idea behind that Batman. Yeah, there is. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the the moment where the next Batman goes way, way, way off. Oh, track. oh yeah, no, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, freaking lootly. But yeah, there was aside from kind of like the nod to history i love like alternate history like i would have loved if batman had just beaten the shit out of hitler and had like used hitler to club senator pewdiepie to death like that would have been like if this book had gone you know inglorious bastards i would have been like top five book all time i'll i'll push everything else aside but no this was just a mess that wasted my time. And let's not also forget how but ugly this Batman costume is. Oh, yes. It's brown, dark red, maroon, something in there? Uh, we're not really sure. But it's muddy. Mm-hmm. And it's an ugly looking costume. And I just I I I did not like it. 
It's an ugly looking book. Bruce is a ragamuffin who learned he had a, a, a strength in industrial design and thus made a fortune. And he's designing Disneyland or Bigstown. Bigstown, that's what it was called. And I just, I don't know what this book was trying to say. And it might be that it wasn't trying to say anything. Because even the good guys are shitty in this book. And the Nazi clan disappears real quick. Yeah. That's an idea that, right, it's at the very beginning, and then it vanishes. And Joker is the, the leader of them, this reverend. And then he just shows up with, like, one crony towards the end, despite having this whole organization there are some things that are left out. Like this is a revised script that cut some important things. I think it's either that, or it's just that Chaykin lost interest in some of these things and got other ideas. It was like, okay, we're going to do this whole thing with the clan. Oh, but wait, Hitler, let's use Hitler instead. <laughs> Forget that. But then you could have, you know, did the, the, the whole thing on, like, the the Disney analog, right? This could have been some take on Who Framed Roger Rabbit and the greedy studios and, you know, that kind of stuff, which we get themes of in the, the next story. But the ideas here that aren't bad are underdone. And if they're not underdone, then they're bad. And then at the very end, when, the, you know, the, the government, after the, the war has begun have figured out Batman is Bruce Wayne. They send Bruce and Selina and Alfred into Europe to spy and do sabotage against the Nazis. And Alfred is Robin. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Like there's no hints to that identity beforehand. And I also actively dislike that at one point when Batman and Catwoman are rushing when they figured out that the plot is to kill Roosevelt, Catwoman asks if, you know, if he thinks Hitler could be behind this. And Batman's like, well, I've heard these horrible things out of Germany, but, you know, looking around America and the way things are talked about here, I don't know if even that could be true. It's like, really? I know this was 1996. This is not 20, let's say even 16, 30 years later. But I know that's not necessarily Holocaust denial, but it's close enough to it. And I don't think, listen, I don't think Chaykin's a Holocaust denier. I don't think that was his intention with that line. But anything nowadays that casts doubt on the Holocaust is something you really should not do. Yeah. And I don't even know by, by 1933 whether that had even begun. So I, I think it's both, it's a weird note and it might be an out of place note. Like, listen, it's not like the Nazis were ever not anti-Semitic. No, but kind of one of their big things. Right. But a line like that, which is clearly in reference to the final solution and the concentration camps and things, does seem a little bit early. But again, never say anything that's, that smacks of Holocaust denial now, because it's just, it feeds a little too much into a strain of thinking that is bad. I think we've ranted at this one enough. Well, that means it's time for Batman Dark Allegiances on the big board. 
I'm scrolling way down. Oh, yes. This is below 300. This is below Gotham by Gaslight at 321. Oh, yeah. No, we are, we're, I think we're, so the, we have Batman Houdini, The Devil's Workshop at 329. Another, a book co-written by Chaikin, which has, again, a bunch of like weird anti-Semitic comments in it, which are, you know, period appropriate, but unnecessary. However, that I think John Francis Moore sands off some of the edges co-writing it. And Mark Chiarello's art is much better than this. I think the blue, the gray, and the bat was probably better intended at 332. Yes, absolutely. But I really loathe Earth One more at 333. Earth One is better looking, though. That's true. Gary Frank art. I think we might have actually been too generous to earth one i think widening gyre probably should have been but again i think gary frank art helped push earth one up above widening gyre but the story is so loathsome oh it's awful but hitler's pulls a maybe not heroic act but hitler's not the worst human being if you were just reading this book without context of knowing who hitler was hitler is still a better person than the other villains in this story. And that is a problem. If Hitler had at least made some sort of anti-Semitic comment in there, maybe he did, but it was not vocal enough. He's fucking Hitler. Why? Why would... No, don't put Hitler in your book. Just don't. Unless he's there to die. Yes. Or at least get punched a whole bunch. A whole bunch. Oh, I need I need to rewatch Sisu. Yeah. I need to fire that some bitch up. You know what? The Hitler thing just I find it so offensive and loathsome. Okay, we're definitely below the blue, the gray, and the bat. That is, as you said, well intended. I'm thinking widening gyre at least only falls completely apart at the very end. Yeah. This is a mess throughout. And also Everything below Widening Gyre not only has problematic story elements, but either lazy, rushed, or bad art. Mm -hmm. Like, Will Flanagan's not a great artist. He, he does that book because he's Kevin Smith's buddy, but it's perfectly serviceable art. Below that, when you get into the early Pascal Ferry in that Superboy issue, Tom Mandrake just cashing a paycheck. I like Tom Mandrake as an artist a lot, but the Batman, Superman, Vampires, Werewolves books both are. It's the equivalent of people ask when people ask Michael Caine why he did Jaws 4. It's because he needed to buy his mother a house. It no. is above that awful Red Hood and the Outlaws number zero. And and I was going to say the the thing that keeps this from being the very bottom of the list is that it's not six or seven or eight or ten issues. Yes. If I had to continue reading more of this, it would be at the bottom. Oh yeah, but it's got Hitler. <laughs> I just keep coming back to, but there's Hitler. We got to put it somewhere. How about the new three forty? Well, wait, you wanted to put it above Red Hood and the Outlaws at three thirty eight. So how about seen, the new 338? Yeah. I'm just again that Red Hood and the Outlaws is at least short. It's the question of does something being canon or technically more canon adjacent 
make it worse. And I think removing that, no, I think I think 340. I think you're right. No, no, 339, because the the surrogate 339 is so odious in its racial politics. All of that stuff in there. Oh, Jesus. I I forgot what that was until just now, and god damn, that was bad. Everything below 339, like Red Hood and the Outlaws is stupid and is a bad comic but it's a bad comic dealing with fictional people. This is taking a real thing and making it a mess. So yeah, I think that does, I think it is above the surrogate. It's the new 339. Man, we got a real, real bad bottom six. Oh yeah. Things that should not be read for any reason. This, by the way, I fucked up. I never read this nightmare before. I was thinking of Dark Knight Dynasty, which is a different Elseworlds, one with a Batman reincarnated throughout time. Like there's a Viking Batman, a Bruce Wayne in the present, and like a far future sci-fi Batman. And I just wasn't thinking when I was looking. So I was like, that's dark. So yeah, that's that's got to be the one. And I just put it in there and then was like, oh, I started and I was like, no, oh, wow, I've never read this thing. Oh, this is real bad. But at least we have an episode for the future that is Batman Noir, where it got some good stories. Oh, Noir yeah. Lives, uh, that Brubaker story. There's hope for that. Yeah, no, no. Nine Lives, Gotham Noir, and Scar of the Bat, which is literally the Untouchables meets Batman. It's like Elliot Ness is Batman. Oh, finally, some good, some good Elseworlds. I think it's Max Allen Collins too. Yeah, I, I think it is. So I think that That's one gonna be good. That is going to be a good night. That uh, is not tonight. No, our final story is Batman Hollywood Night. This is Batman Hollywood Night numbers one to three. The writer is Bob Layton, with art by Dick Giordano, colors by Glenn Whitmore and Jameson, letters by Sean Connick, and edited by Bob Shrek and Michael Wright. Oh, day- oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I have breaking news, Matt. Breaking news for everybody who has already heard this. Henry Kissinger, no longer alive. Oh, wow. We're, we're timestamping time this particular episode. Wow. But the cover date on uh, Hollywood Night is April to June of 2001. Byron Wyatt and Gotham Pictures are producing a Batman serial during the golden age of Hollywood. But when they cut a little too deeply into the bottom line of rival Arkham Studios, mob-connected studio boss Jack Napier decides it's time to take them out. What follows is a tale of a Batman driven by madness to right what has gone wrong. This is a real monkey astronaut story that didn't have to be a monkey astronaut story. We start first with the premise that Batman, as we know him, Batman exists as a fictional character, which is cool that we're doing in a Batman comic. Like Detective Comics exists, right? The protagonist in this story reads Detective Comics. Like, okay, cool. And then everything gets worse from there. This one, as I said earlier, feels like it needed to pick a lane. 
Yes. And it was either you have none of the like in DC universe Batman stuff and you just do okay, you've got a studio producing a Batman serial and they're trying to get muscled out by a studio that is mob connected, which was a big thing in this period of Hollywood. And maybe the guy who's producing it wears the Batman costume while trying to stop some mobsters. There you go. Yeah, simpler. Right. Or you have to do something that is more a traditional Elseworlds where you've got the Batman characters. And even if you call him Byron Wyatt in the same way you had Bruno Venko, he is Batman. Because when you look at this, you've got Byron Wyatt, who I can even deal with the BW there. Because, you know, he was a Batman fan. And if you had those initials, maybe you would, that might, you might be drawn to that. But you've got him and you've got his best friend and stunt guy whose name is Rob. Robert. Again, that's kind of Robin-y, but it's not very much. So the thing that bothered me, right? Byron Wyatt is both an actor and a studio mogul, which is fun, I guess. He acquires the license to Batman and then names his operation, you know, Gotham Pictures or Gotham Studio, whichever one it is. And then the rival studio is named Arkham. Yes. That was the thing that that absolutely bugged me too, that Jack Napier is there that yeah, they run so into this hat on a heading in this book, right? They run into the prospector, Al Penny. Mm. That, that was where it was like, okay, you, you're doing a halfway here. The rival mogul should not have been called the Joker and they should not have run into an Alfred analog. If you're dealing yeah. with a real world setting, then you gotta treat it like the real world. Or if you're going to do the Joker, then this has to be, a Bruce Wayne, an absolute Bruce Wayne analog. And it's a traditional else world where there isn't a Batman in this world. And this is what's creating the Batman for this world. It went halfway to something and then decided not to do it and turned into, okay, well, we need to do some stuff that's more familiar in here. And then we also had the uh, amnesia angle. So we had like a kind of a bad take on masks I think the basic idea of a studio in a world where Batman is a comic book character and a guy has to put on the Batman costume to protect his studio from the mob is a fun, functional Elseworlds idea. Yeah. But it gets too much of, but we need more Batman in here. Mm-hmm. And that's where it falls apart. And I alluded to this earlier, the moment where I think this Byron Wyatt loses it as a character, like he's got this internal grief about being kind of this spoiled and pampered elite boy. It's like, oh, I've never been in a fight. I've never had to sacrifice, you know, uh, you, Robin, the stunt double and stunt, stunt coordinator. You're so much tougher and better than I am. So, and they're filming the bat serial. They go to uh, Death Valley because, you know, there there are no Western lots in uh, in Los Angeles. So anyway, they drive out to Death Valley where the entire crew is gunned down by mobsters. 
because they, you know, Arkham tries to buy them out, tries to uh, pressure DC into pulling the license. Like uh, Arkham says, all right, I tried it the easy way. Now we're going to do it the hard way. And he murders the entire crew aside from Batman, Byron uh, Wyatt. And Byron is on his knees and he's begging for his life. And he says to the people who have just murdered, murdered in cold blood, he says to them, whatever you're being paid, I'll pay you double. Like that, and I'm like, gross. Right? Like, I understand that, yeah, maybe he's kind of a rich playboy. Maybe it was a moment of cowardice, but man, that is a just a terrible line. And then when he becomes Batman, this is a Batman who the one rule does not exist for. No. He's killing dudes. He is killing mobsters. He goes from coward to murderous psychopath pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, but but it's okay. He eventually wins some kind of judgment against Arkham and he gets a bunch of money, so it's all okay. Also, Bob Layton, who's a fairly well-regarded creator of the 80s, the studios didn't boss around the mob. Napier, the Joker here, who don't call him Joker, he'll freak the fuck out. Yeah, because he doesn't like that. He's bossing around Mr. Winter, the head of this mob. That's not how this worked. The studios appeased the mob. The studio might have got to boss around a lesser mobster, but they weren't bossing around freaking Bugsy Siegel. That's not how that worked. It's not how any of that worked. <laughs> there is a line where you wonder when Winter says something about, you know, about, you know, back before when, when they called you Joker or whatever. And I kind of wondered if Napier was at one point in the mob or was a more dangerous figure who this was his going legit. But that's never made clear. Yeah, that would be the only way that that would make sense. There's also some moments of like, hey, let's show you some famous Hollywood people of the era, but we're not going to call them by name. Hey, CG, Jack Napier is putting the screws to you. Why didn't you just call him Clark Gable? Or meeting Errol Flynn when they're out on the town and just calling him EF? Why do that? Uh, although I did like the uh, moment when the Batmobile is speeding through the city and they nearly smash into Bing Crosby and Bob Hope in a limo. That was fun. But again, don't use the names. That was just a weird discordant note that just didn't make sense why these figures who are long since deceased and you'd be using these names in fair use, why you weren't using their names. They're public figures. And it wasn't doing anything with them that was offensive. They were just making an appearance in a story that was set around the time when they would have existed. Hmm. A lawyer would say as a course of least regret, don't put them in there. All right, I guess. Which is entirely different than some of the indie books that are out there that I have read that are like fan casting using actors as models. Which, you know, you can't do. There's a better story with these building blocks. And 
I just, I'm not entirely sure where the angle that you needed to play to get this right. And I think in part of it, I think is what we said. It's just remove Arkham Studios, remove Jack Napier, remove Al Penny. And it's just Byron Wyatt, Batman fan who is playing Batman has to fight mobsters and he does it wearing the costume. And look, if you want to do the amnesia thing, right? Have him be a method actor. That's much more fun than, oh, he got shot in the head and now he can't remember anything. Outside of the basic building blocks that do not come together, Prospector Alfred was kind of a hoot. Yes. Dick Giordano is, you know, a war horse. He's a, a solid penciler. This comes out looking nice, very solid art. The Batman costume here is the Batman costume. There's nothing differentiating it from any other Batman costume. Which makes sense. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 fine. I love that Rob, he's not a kid. He's a grown man balding who has to keep putting on this wig to play Robin. And it, it's a nice touch. It works. And oh, I have to admit, the weird connecting tissue between this and Dark Allegiances where... Both of them end with the Joker on the giant typewriter. Oh, weird. I mean, the giant typewriter is the most famous of those Dick Sprang giant whatevers. But in both of these stories, the Joker nearly gets hit with the striker. Or he nearly gets hit here. and He's impaled upon the letter and murdered by it in Dark Allegiance. Why did I have to make the props functional? Listen, I do not think that Bob Layton read Dark Allegiances and, and brought that in here. I think this is a, a deep impact Armageddon kind of thing. Yeah. Just, I hope was, no one read Dark Allegiances. <laughs> just reading them back to back, it was like, well, that's an odd little thing that the two of them are right there. I did like there's one, the f- first time you see Byron after his break with reality fully Batmaned out. He's standing on the Hollywood land sign. It's a really nice looking page. That it is. Oh, and the fact that Arkham's big movie release is the killing joke. <laughs> Boo. All right, all right. Here are the, the references we can stop making. Uh, we can stop making any reference to killing joke. We can stop making visual references to the Dark Knight Returns cover. I don't need to see that ever again and um we can stop talking about the pearls i could go forever without seeing those three again and again if you angled this the other way and did a you know more traditional bruce wayne as actor creating a batman character in these serials and having to play him and fighting the joker the Joker as corrupt studio executive, not a bad idea. No. But if you're trying to have it be in a world where Batman is a fictional character, you can't have the Joker be a real person. Yeah, it doesn't work. There's a cognitive dissonance there that just threw me out of the story. So yeah, this one this one needed to do less. Like, right, we took building blocks and we arranged them into like the shape of a penis when all you needed to do is just build a house. 
you had a house going and then you went straight to peanuts. You didn't need to do that. It didn't work. And then the the last page is this sort of weird little epilogue where, as you said, you hear this news broadcast about how Wayne and the families of the people that were murdered sued Arkham Studios, bankrupted it, and took all the money. And then you see Al Penny now all gussied up saying to people who were doubting that this whole thing happened that, you know, for at least a while, Byron Wyatt was really Batman. So I guess Byron gave Al a lot of money? Something? Yeah. Byron is, is traveling on Route 66, seeing the country? Yeah, I just I, that last page, just I couldn't figure out what was, again, what was trying to be done there. Yeah, it was odd choice. I, I think we, we've said what we need to. Oh, that means it's time for Batman Hollywood Nights on the big board. All right, so this is above problematic territory. Yes, but below things that are successful. Yeah. Golden Street is up at 255. So what is what is it 300 right now? 300 right now is Flying High, Detective Comics 561. So is that one issue where Jason Todd meets a girl and it's a very special episode of Batman about how you shouldn't take drugs? No, don't take drugs. This is probably better than that. Uh, Yeah, and this is, I think, better than uh, Dark Joker the Wild at 297 and Night of Vengeance at 298. Although I don't... Speeding Bullets... Yeah, I was gonna say, I think by getting th- think speeding bullets were getting closer. I don't know how much higher we go than speeding bullets. I think this is better than Talon, Scourge of the Owls. Yeah, that was way too long. And that's a, a kind of a dumb story. Made the court of owls boring. That should be criminal. It is not better than uh 269, the great Joker Clayface feud. That's a fun little trifle. I don't think it's better than Zurinar at 272. Also, fun little trifle. Doesn't overstay its welcome. I could be talked into 274. Face the face is too long by about half. Yeah, and this is not too long. I just think it needed a stronger editorial hand to be like, okay, you got to do one thing or the other here. Trying to do both is not working. All of these stories tonight gonna use some editing and that does it for tonight next week uh it's back to patreon requests as tim rooney has asked us to read three stories with batman as a member of the giffen demetrius justice league we'd like to thank our patreon backers dan Grote, josh wheel mrs abigail hartbaum Asma Fangirl, Tony Thornley, Go Sam, Utes. Sam Hopper, John Wickham, Robert Secundus, Bobby Two Bucks, Tim Rooney, Giorgio Sergioli, David Wheel, Alexander Wheel, and Matt McThorne for their support. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Batchat Comics, and the show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music slash Audible, and the ComicsXF.com, where new episodes drop every Thursday. You can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash batchat with Matt and Will, where you can get shout outs, bonus content, pick a story, and even come on the show. 
If you want to hear more of my ramblings, mostly about the three C's, comics, cinema, and cats, you can follow me on Twitter at MattLaz1013. And I'm at Will Nevin. I'm also sorry I forgot you, McDorney. And I'm also out of here. Good night, Huntsville. And be sure to visit ComicsXF at ComicsXF.com or at ComicsXF on Twitter for our weekly Friday Bat Chat roundup of new Bat Books. For my other show, WMQ&A, where my longtime best friend, Dan Grote, and I interview comics creators, retailers, publishers, journalists, and other related tradespeople, as well as all the other stuff Will and I are writing. And stay safe out there, folks. Gotham is not a place to be after dark. <laughs>